0: Listener supported, WNYC Studios. Thanks so much for listening to this special feed, The Sound of Pride, Stonewall at 50. I'm Tobin Lowe, co host of Nancy. If you like what you hear, you can find more coverage from WNYC by visiting
1: wnycorg Stonewall50.
0: And if you love these episodes as much as we do, we encourage you to subscribe to all of these great podcasts and share your favorites with your friends. Okay, Kath, what is up next? Up next, an episode from So Many White Guys. Hey, what's up? Hello.
2: Do you know what that's from? Fetty Wap, baby.
3: Oh, I do know that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what's up? Hello. That is something
2: that I do know. Oh, that, okay, cool. I know things.
3: <laughs> oh, isn't Fetty Wap the trap queen guy? hmm Yeah. cool. I think I've tried dancing to that before and just
0: gave up. So many white guys.
3: So many. So many white guys. So white. (laughs)
2: Welcome to So Many White Guys, brought to you by WNYC Studios. I'm your host, Phoebe Robinson, and with me, as per usual, is my sexy ass producer, Joni and Mitch.
3: Ooh, hi.
2: Here we are, back together again for another casual yet
3: impressive
2: episode of your favorite potty.
3: I love casual yet impressive. I feel like that's like my goal, like my 2017 goal is to be like casual yet impressive.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think you're cash yet impressive.
3: Thank you. You're the only person who's ever said that.
2: Okay, but can we talk about something like really important yes. super quick before we get into the episode, yes. which is awesome? Yeah. Okay, so today I went shopping at Lululemon. And I just got, like, some cute clothes. And the guy who checked me out the register, the cashier, I had my headphones on, and I was, like, listening to of Monsters and Men. So I was, like, in kind of a moody place. And I don't even know if this is, like, a thing, but, like, when he was done, like, ringing me up and, like, we were exchanging, like, pleasantries goodbye... He just, like, held the eye contact for a few seconds longer than usual. And I, like, felt something. I was like, he's really cute.
3: Whoa! But
2: I'm like, I don't want to hit on, like, the hot Lululemon employee. Also, I'm like, maybe I should go back there and just, like, buy socks so I can, like, talk to him again.
3: Part of me is like, I think that's why he's there. (laughs) It's, like, for you to hit on the hot Lululemon employee.
2: I mean, do you think I have a chance?
3: I think buying socks is, like not sexy
2: so okay i need to get like some sexy ass yoga pants like what
3: if you Mm -hmm. roll yourself up in a yoga mat and like (laughs) sneak into the break room and then you climb inside his locker and jump out or like you're just in his locker naked and he opens it
2: okay do you have any other ideas because that one i'm not my fave
3: or like you could do like what was that movie, Varsity Blues, where that girl does a whipped cream bikini? Yeah. You could just cut up pieces of a yoga mat <laughs> and like make a little outfit and walk in. Wait.
2: wait, 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 wait! I can't.
3: And then he's like not working that day, so you have to leave and come back again another day. You're like sorry. <laughs>
2: I didn't even get his name. He's just so cute. What if his name was Lou? Lou <laughs> <laughs> Lulu Lemon. Uh, please welcome Mr. and Mrs. Lou Lemon. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like here's the thing, because this is like, first of all, that's hysterical. But also, that actually kind of segues into today's episode, because today, for the first time ever, and so many white guys... Her story, we have a drag queen as our guest.
3: Ah! Oh my God, so happy.
2: I mean, Joan, can you believe it? We finally made this come true. I'm so very happy and feeling hashtag blessed to have in the building Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. <laughs> Exciting. And you know what? Alaska's dope because I feel like she challenges norms. She makes us smarter and braver. And I want to channel my inner Alaska because I think she would straight up. Go back to that Lululemon, maybe on a different day, of course, and ask that guy out. So that's what I'm going to do. She would reach across the aisle, grab that sausage and put it in her pocket. Was that too much?
3: No, I love it. Okay, great. Sorry, I was daydreaming.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you were daydreaming about grabbing sausage. About grabbing sausage. Um, but yeah, I think that's cool. And speaking of reaching across the aisle, that brings us to our news segment on the show that I do with executive producer Alana Glazer, where we talk about stuff that is going to unify this country. So buckle up, put on your seatbelt. Put on your helmet, put on your driving gloves, turn on Pandora, put that car in a reverse, back out of your driveway, then put it in drive.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And then go back into your driveway.
0: Across the aisle. first, Seth Rogen. We all love Seth Rogen, everybody don't we? Everybody likes him. Left, right, black, white, gay, straight, trans, fluid, doctors, yeah. iron workers. I mean, everybody loves Seth yeah. Rogen. He is just delicious, a delight. He's got that like sexy thing where you're like, am I married to you now? Did we just get married? Yeah. He's like everybody's husband. He's transparent.
2: Yeah. So I feel like... Let's celebrate him. Let's celebrate the fact that we all love him. And the next time you want to, like, talk to, like, Uncle Lewis about, <laughs> I don't know, freaking equal pay, just moose boosh with Seth Rogen Yeah, first. honestly, it's you like,
0: throw on Pineapple Express. You don't even have to watch the whole thing. No. Watch it for 20 minutes with yeah. Uncle Lewis, and then you guys can talk, have a more civilized conversation. Cute. So, you know, for all those white nationalists, um, Donald Trump supporters— alt-right whoever's listening who isn't our typical listener let's watch some uh, knocked up and then talk to me yeah (laughs) (laughs) all
2: right love you mean it yqye
3: who doesn't like seth Rogen?
2: who show him to me because you're a goddamn liar Guys and gals, Phoebe Robson here. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast, So Many White Guys. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest, Mr. Justin Honard. Justin is perhaps best known for his unforgettable triumph on season two of RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars as the charmingly fishy snake queen herself, Lady Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. Wait, what's Fishy. Fishy is like trying to be as feminine as possible. Oh. Yeah. Cool. So RuPaul's very fishy.
1: Yeah.
2: <coughs> hi. If you guys were wondering where I got that from, it was from Alaska, who will also give us a little bit of history in the whole, hi, in the interview. But more than that, I'm thrilled to have Justin in the studio today because I want to talk to him about what it was like to be thrown into such an intense competition all the gossip on season two and beyond. We get into that in this conversation. We talk about developing as a performer, what it takes to be a top drag queen. From one queen to another, y'all enjoy my interview with Justin, aka Alaska Thunderfuck 5000. Bye. Bye. First of all, I want to say your hi is legendary.
1: Thank you. You did that really well. I've
2: been teaching my 2-year-old niece to do it. So <laughs> she now does it when I FaceTime her. She'll be like, "Hi." I love
1: it. And I feel like
2: that's the greatest contribution.
1: That's it. Thank it's you. so good. It's like on pitch. Like you have the right note. It's like, "Hi." <laughs> I think we could harmonize if we do. Okay.
2: Hi. hi. Yes. That was good, right?
1: We're in harmony.
2: <laughs> okay, so what made you come up with that? Were you just like dicking around? Because, you know, every episode of RuPaul's, like RuPaul was just saying that to you.
1: Well, I didn't make it up. You didn't? No, I steal every, everything I do. Okay. It's stolen from somewhere. Okay, good. <laughs> Usually from Golden Girls, but this was stolen from... Could <laughs> you
2: imagine this was on Golden
1: Girls? <laughs> right. I mean, maybe it is. No, it's not. It was never said on Golden Girls. But, no, I stole it from some English queens. And they used to do a YouTube video reviewing drag race. And they would sit and just talk and, like, smoke blunts. Like, they're from Gibraltar. Yeah. So they have this accent that sounds like New Jersey, but also English. Oh, my gosh. It's a fun accent.
2: I got to check those videos out.
1: Yeah, they're called throw in shade mm, mm-hmm. and they would just smoke blunts and like chill out and talk about the episode but they would always start with hi and end with bye <laughs> and so i did it on drag race as a shout out to them and then now everyone
2: oh, thinks it's mine i love that i love the shout out okay so yeah. your full drag name is alaska thunderfuck 5000 that's it you have quite the the origin story for your character can you explain <laughs> that to us a little bit it's amazing
1: She's a Glamazonian princess from the planet Glamtron, and she crash-landed on Earth, and she's trying to get enough Twitter followers to get her spaceship back up and running. Yeah. <laughs> That's Which it. is
2: amazing. You have such a great sense of humor. When you got into drag, is that sort of the driving force for your performance?
1: Yeah, it was always funny. I think drag is funny. Mm-hmm. It's like... It's a really serious joke to me cuz like we take it really fucking seriously. Yeah. It's a rich culture that goes back a long time, but it's also like it's funny. I mean a man in a dress, that's funny to me. Yeah. So yeah, I do I think it is the most successful when it has the little like wink of like funny humorness to it.
2: Yeah. So okay, let's back up a little bit. Give us a little bit taste like where are you from? What kind of mm-hmm. kid were you?
1: i Really, I guess I was, like, really seeking approval of my authoritative figures in my mm, life. Okay. So I was very, like, good in school. I was also very introverted for many, many years. Really? I would, like, do my thing at school. I wouldn't really talk to anybody. And then I would, like, go home and I would just draw pictures by myself. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was, like, once I got into the theater, which was later on in high school. Mm-hmm. That's when sort of the nuts started to get cracked a little bit. Where did you grow up? Erie, Pennsylvania. Nice.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, so you said you were always kind of like seeking approval. I know, Were you kind of doing that with your parents as well, or was it only with school teachers?
1: I always wanted to just be a good kid. I didn't Mm -hmm. want to cause any problems. I didn't want to cause any fights. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to like... I don't know. That that's just how I like, that's just how I it was. Like,
2: yeah. You know. That's cute. Okay. And so, <laughs> you know, I interview like a lot of performers on here yeah. and I do find a lot of us are kind of more on the quiet side and we yeah. absorb more like we kind of process things. And we're not as kind of like as everyone thinks that we are. So I'm just Dang. I'm just like, oh, you're great. So you let's back up a little bit. So you graduate high school. Did a little bit of theater. Mm-hmm. You really got the bit by the bug. And then you moved to L.A., yes?
1: Yeah, after college.
2: Yes. And where would you yeah. go to school
1: again? The University of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay.
2: uh, Cleveland and Pittsburgh. We have a little oh, bit of da- beef. Oh, damn. So, oh, yeah. damn. <laughs> 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 okay, so you moved out to L.A. Uh, what were you like? How did you get into drag? Like, what were you doing when you first moved to L.A.?
1: I had done drag, like, twice in Pittsburgh.
2: What is that like? Because that's Um, a very—you don't—you think of drag, you think of New York, L.A. You don't think of Pittsburgh.
1: Well, I mean, the truth is it's everywhere, though. So, Mm. like, every city has a drag community. And at that time, it was, like, it wasn't popular or cool to do drag at all. Mm. It was, like, if you did drag, it probably meant, like, guys weren't going to want to, like, date you or, like— whatever that that was the case for me at least
2: and what year was this
1: um like eight years ago okay so yeah it was pre-drag race but I felt moved to do it like a nun I was out of calling (laughs) I had to I was like even if I never get fucked again (laughs) I'm gonna do drag
2: well what appealed to you about drag because I think it's such an amazing art form But I think it requires so much. Like, you have to be funny. You have to be really smart. You have to, in terms of image and branding, it requires so much, so many different skill sets in one person. I think it's a really hard thing to tackle. So what made you go, I think I could be good at drag?
1: Well, I always liked girls' clothes Mm -hmm. because they're better.
2: That's true. They're prettier. Like,
1: even as a kid, like, I knew... That dresses were more fun. They moved better. They're, the clothes are better, so I was always attracted to that. And like I don't, I don't know what possessed me. I guess the Lord, yeah, was <laughs> just my calling.
2: Yeah, and so I I started out in stand up like eight and a half years ago, and I think the one thing that people forget about up and and drag is that it costs a lot of money to do like I have to like fly myself everywhere put myself right. up like I'm doing shows for free yeah I'm going to like Staten Island and performing in biker bars and yeah. like it's the same element <laughs> where you gotta get your clothes you gotta get your act together yeah and so what was it like in those early years where you're like okay I know I want to do drag but I have to sacrifice a lot in order to get my career where I want it like what what were the early years like
1: Drag is messy, Mm -hmm. expensive, like it tests your friendships because literally it's like if you have roommates, suddenly your house becomes, it looks like a bomb went off. Drag is all consuming. It's like a virus Mm -hmm. and a mess. It's like it turns your house into a hoarder house and it takes all your money. So yeah, you make 50 bucks from the gig, but that's all gone Yeah, Mm because it goes back into it. Yet we still do
2: it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it so has magic you, power. Yeah.
2: So, did you have a day job at the time, when you were, or you just were 100% drag?
1: I mean, I did every kind of job you can imagine. I worked in a porn store. That was cool.
2: Okay, let's pause. Let's <laughs> pump those brakes. <laughs> what were you doing at the porn store?
1: I was behind the counter.
2: I've never been in a porn store. Oh, really? Yeah, just because it's like, you know, we came up during the age of the internet. And when I started watching porn, it was like my, I, I don't know, early to mid 20s. It's
1: so, online.
2: Yeah, it's online. Right. So it's like I never need to go out. So no one never needs to know that I, I watch porn except that right. I just said into this microphone. But <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, yo. But so, what was it like to work in that store?
1: Well, the thing is, it was Circus of Books in West Hollywood, okay. so we were right in, in gay town, which I guess adds to, like, why people go there, because they go there to, like, cruise, that mm. they, like, meet each other to, like, hook up. Of course, now people do that with apps and their phone and online, but— in the heyday of Circus of Books it was a huge cruising spot right in the middle of West Hollywood right by Vaseline Alley so they would meet in the bookstore
2: what's Vaseline Alley?
1: Vaseline Alley is an alley between Circus of Books and Gold Coast Bar in West Hollywood and it used to be like a huge just like you'd just like hook up like you'd get together with guys and like do stuff in this alley
2: in the alley?
1: yeah of course now it's like heavily patrolled and the police yeah. caught wise to it and now it, it's not really what it used to be. But that's what it was.
2: So people were just like literally having sex in public. Yeah, and vastly Gay, gay and dudes
1: out. love that. Sorry <laughs> I'm like if I'm blowing a- up like gay dudes' I'm like such culture. I'm
2: like, wait, you don't like go indoors and like <laughs> going like your Serta like posturpedic mattress? And,
1: like- no, we love. It. I mean, I don't. I personally like the Sealy posturpedic. Right? I need the Craftmatic yeah. girl, <laughs> the adjustable. I'm very like I don't. I don't want to have sex outdoors. Yeah, it's cold it's- and the exactly. sticks and grass and yeah. dirt. <laughs> That's not like hot to me.
2: Yeah. Okay. So you, <laughs> <laughs> so you worked at this porn shop for how
1: long? One year exactly.
2: And did you tell your parents? Okay, so I'm moving to LA to pursue drag. In the meantime, I'm working at this porn shop. Uh, what did they say to all of that information?
1: My mom was worried. Yeah. It wasn't like my mom was watching Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Like, she had no idea what that even meant, like, doing drag. She thought I was, like, a, a cross-dressing prostitute, which I couldn't make enough money doing that. Wait, for real? <laughs> yeah, I tried. Oh I wasn't making any money out what? of equipping a hooker.
2: I can't believe people, like, didn't want to pay to have sex with you. What's wrong oh, with these thank people? You. That's so sweet. <laughs> How long did you try and, and hook? Were you just kind of, like...
1: It was Dibble like, Dabble. It was du- it was dibbly dabbly. Like yeah. some people are really fucking good at it. And like walking that walk is something I extremely respect. Mm-hmm. And like I don't think I made for it. I don't think I have the like fortitude to do.
2: Yeah, it just seems so <laughs> hard and like
1: Yeah. But some people like yeah. it's their it's their like purpose and they're spiritually providing mm-hmm. I think a really healing necessary thing for the earth. Yeah. So like I love sex workers. I just wasn't making anybody. Do yeah. it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, okay, bye. <laughs> yeah. Like
1: this isn't gonna work. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So what is what was the LA drag scene like when you came out there?
1: I mean, West Hollywood drag is extremely competitive. Mm. There's a new crop of girls every single year who move to L.A. to be the queen shit. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like, that's why people move there. So it's very competitive. Everybody was really just sexy, beautiful, feminine. Not really what I was interested in. That that isn't what interested me about drag at the time. I was very inspired by Tranny Shack, San Francisco... Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I guess I would have moved to San Francisco. That would have made more sense. But my best friend Jeremy lived in L.A., so that's where I ended up. Yeah. So it was sort of like San Francisco sensibility, but Mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, which I think set me apart because I wasn't particularly good at makeup. I wasn't like following the rules of drag. My hair was fucking rotted, (laughs) which it is often now, too, which is fine. But I think it, like, I think it set me apart a little bit because I wasn't interested in, like, being the prettiest, cuntiest girl on the block because I couldn't be.
2: Yeah, so you wanted to subvert, I would say, maybe a little bit, like, people's expectations (laughs) and, like.
1: (laughs) Showing my dick on (laughs) stage. It was Hollywood. Oh, my God. Is
2: that a no-no? Like, I don't know much about, like, the drag (laughs) rules and protocol, like, you know like is that kind of breaking the fourth wall, of the fantasy of it all, if you like whip your dick out?
1: It is. I did it because I just I thought it was funny and cool. Of course, now I see the symbolism of it. It's like actually there are really beautiful women who have dicks, so I don't think it's like I, I think it's politically mm-hmm. a very like beautiful sight to see a beautiful woman with a with a dick. But that isn't why I was doing it. I just thought it was fun. Like, I was wore this dress with, like, these slits up the side, but just wore no underwear. <laughs> and so I was doing my song, and then eventually, like, the dress started to move, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now I don't show my dick anymore, because everybody's seen it, so it's not shocking I anymore. haven't seen oh, it. Oh, well, Okay
2: so <laughs> the one after on i Instagram. leave you can google it <laughs> okay and during this time were you dating at all because i know you were you said before there's like you know this fear and drag that like guys weren't going to date you so were you able to have much of a personal dating life or were you just really just strictly focusing on the drag
1: well i was you know obsessed with drag mm-hmm. and the party and all of that but i found that Once I moved to L.A. and I just sort of surrendered to the fact that, like, drag is part of who I am, I felt like I was having a lot more sex and a lot better sex because it was like I was more fully realized and I was – it was another facet of who I am. So I say to any girls who have any anxiety about it, like, no, once you're fully yourself, you're going to be, like, sexier and shining more, you know? But once you get famous, then, then that's <laughs> that's when the, really the wrench hits the fucking machinery. Because, like after Drag Race, I was like, "Oh, this is great! Like I'm I'm gonna be single and and now I like now I'm a well known drag queen. So mm-hmm. like I don't know, I'll be swimming in fucking dicks. <laughs> and it was like, I mean, there were dicks, but they weren't hard, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah!
2: So this is a spoiler alert for people who are listening. So if you don't want to hear what I'm about to say, just press mute for the next ten seconds. Okay. But you won season two of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars. Yeah, congratulations, as Mama Ru would say. Thank. You. That's amazing. Um, and you, this was like a really stacked season. You know, you had Alyssa yeah. Edwards, you had Detox, you had Katya. Yeah. Like, you had just so many amazing queens. And I felt they're just the fans were just so intense and invested in every episode like I was. Because there was, like, the crazy twist where it was like you you guys voted each other off. Which, yeah. how did that feel? Because you guys all work together like you're friends. Is, isn't like, you know, Survivor where you're never going to see these people again. It's like you do shows together. So what— did that do to your relationships because you seem like a queen that really has strong bonds with people
1: yeah well uh, luckily I'm still cool with all the queens I've sent home oh, from good. the show. <laughs> but I was at that time I was just like so focused I was like I'll, I'll do whatever it takes yeah it's really serious it was really
2: serious <laughs> um <laughs> and so was there any point where you felt like I got this in the back or does the... Never. the Because of the level of competition on the show or why do you feel like you're never really settled in yourself when you're on the show?
1: I never felt like it was in the bag, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like it was gonna... Uh, because then it's like you film it and then a year goes by before you even they even air it. So it's like all this waiting time. So it's like what's going to happen? Like, are they going to play scary music behind everything that I said? So Mm. then I'm going to look crazy, which I don't, I mean, that had never happened to me before. Yeah. But it was like, it's always a possibility. And so I didn't know how it was going to go. And then like towards the end, it was like people's reaction toward me was so just like, I mean, my reaction to myself, I was like, fuck, like I wish I would have just smoked a joint and chilled out and had a good time. But it was like, I don't know. My mom called me crying. She was Hmm. like, you're not going to win because everyone on Twitter wants Katia to win. (laughs) She's winning all the polls. Yeah.
2: Well, what did it feel like to get that backlash? Because to me, you're one of my favorites. Like, I love you. I love Latrice Royale. And I love Alyssa. You guys are my top three. And to kind of deal with that backlash, how do you take that? Because, I mean, just we've just met here. And I feel like you're a very strong person. But when you just have people just being like oh I, I don't like you i want someone else like how do you handle that even though you're coming from a place of humor and like being fun and how do yeah. you, how do you deal with that
1: well it hurt my feelings at first oh, no. of course yeah. because like it, when you turn on your twitter and people are just saying like you suck over and over that that is hurtful but it also like made me feel like okay like now i understand what it's been like for people like Fifi O'Hara, for people mm-hmm. like Roxy Andrews, who've like, they went into the show, they did the best they could, they d- you know, they worked really hard, and then that's how people responded. So, like, it gave me compassion, but also it was like, then from there, you just have to take it and make fun of it. So I just ran with that, and I'm like, yes, I am the Queen of Snakes. So now it's like another title I own it's Yeah, the Queen of Snakes.
2: <laughs> Just a little background for people. So you were in season five and you were runner up in season five. Yeah. And then you came back and did all stars. What made you want to come back? Because I feel like a reality TV show must be such a grind and so emotionally draining. Like, what do you think you learned from your first time on Rue's show to then come back and make you be like, I can do this again?
1: For me, it was like there was no question. Mm-hmm. It was like. Of course. If they asked me to do it, of course I'm going to do it. Because I I love Drag Race and RuPaul gave me a job. Like I have a job now doing this. So, of course, if they asked me to come back and do it, of course I would do it. So there was no question. I just had to.
2: Yeah, that's great. So let's talk about fame a little bit because I do feel like drag has reached this other level where I really feel like it is really the most mainstream it's ever been. Yeah. And so how does the fame, like, affect your drag and also your personal life?
1: Right. I mean, mostly it's very lovely. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, it's, it is, like, a little annoying. Like, last night we were—my <laughs> mom came and saw the show at Lori Beachman, mm-hmm. and so we were, like, after the show, we were, like, talking. I was catching up with my mom, and, like, someone would just come up. And, like, stand directly behind my mom with their phone at the ready. Just
2: oh, waiting no. for, like, waiting for a
1: pause in the sentence of the conversation. And, like, I see them. So I know they're waiting to, like, ask me for a photo. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, mom, hold on. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little, like, yeah. that's a little extra. But, I mean, if that's the worst fucking thing that happens to me, that then I have a very blessed life. Yeah. That's, it's mostly lovely.
2: Yeah. So like you mentioned earlier, you, you like to please people, which I do too. I think all performers do on some level. Yeah. Uh, but then you made the transition to subversion and kind of like challenging what people would expect. So what, what was that shift for you in your mind that made you go, I want to try this different track?
1: Oh, my. I think it was driven by like being pissed off. I guess mm-hmm. I was feel pissed off about what pissed off about I was feeling oppressed mm. as like a gay person and as like someone who wanted to express myself flamboyantly it's a different world now than it was eight years ago mm-hmm. like it I think we're a little bit loosened up on on the way people can present themselves now which I'm glad for but like I was pissed off cuz I would get I would get called a faggot on the street like mm. every single day and that's that pissed me off I yeah. was mad and drag is a way of transmuting that that pissed off anger energy into something like great and and lovely yeah i don't know i i like making people laugh i like singing songs When I was a little kid, I always daydreamed that I would grow up to be a a beautiful woman singing Jewel songs to rooms (laughs) full of people, which is basically now what I do. Yeah. So,
2: But your album that came out is called Anus, Mm -hmm. which I would say is probably a title that Jewel would not pick. Who knows? (laughs) So what what finally uh, gave you the courage to get into music and how has that been so far?
1: It's been great. Like, now I feel really comfortable in a studio, and, like, I really love that. I love making music. So, yeah, we did Anus, and um, the response was really great. I was like, is anyone even going to listen to this? Like, what Mm is, you know? And people have, and so now they're, like, into it. We put out a second album called Pound Cake. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really fun. The question was, like, do you want to do a second album to follow up with the first one? And I'm like, Dolly Parton has, like, 70 studio albums (laughs) because she just cranks out music. Mm -hmm. So it's like, yeah, of course. Yes, put out another album.
2: What do you think you get from music that you don't get from drag and vice versa?
1: Well, they all go together. Mm -hmm. Drag is like being Leonardo da Vinci because... You get to, I get to put my fingers in all these different things. So I get to do music, and then I get to design like the layouts for the music for the C for the physical CD, which is like I love Photoshop. It's
2: yeah. Really fun to me. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then I get to like do commercials for it, and then I get to like do videos and and perform live. So it's like I get to do all the stuff, and there's not really any like rules about it.
2: Yeah. So I take your big pop music person. You said you love Lady Daga. I do. So yeah. what is it about women in general, but like a pop star like that appeals to you so much that you like when you go into, like I feel like every drag performer has an immense love of women. They really like respect yeah. women and they feel like a sort of kinship. Like what what do women mean to you and how right. do you reflect that in your drag?
1: I think... Drag is the celebration of divine feminine power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, like, I mean, fuck, I don't, I don't give a fuck about guys on stage. Like, I don't want to watch a guy on stage. Mm-hmm. There's something about a woman, and you think of like someone like Cher who has such like staying power as a public person. I, it's because she's a, she's a woman. It's because
2: she really There's I, strength
1: and yeah. vulnerability mm-hmm. and uh and. and it's all about women for me.
2: Oh, thank you. I want to make that like put that on a t-shirt. It's all about women for me. Thank you. That's great. Okay. So you're an inspiration for a lot of people. I think we can all agree on that. Um, and you've been super open about your life in a lot of ways, which I think is very brave. And I think it motivates other people to do the same. And you've talked about cutting alcohol out of your life for a bit. You stopped drinking for a couple of years What made you do that?
1: I stopped drinking for like two years. Mm. I was never in the program. Mm -hmm. During that time, I was still kind of a train wreck, but I was a non-drinking train wreck. Mm. But during that time period, it was like drag and drinking were always intertwined Yeah, because I was working in bars. So it was like... I learned how to drink and hold it really well. And I'm from Pennsylvania, so, like, I could drink pretty much anyone under the table. (laughs) Yeah. And then I just stuck with that. And during that, it sort of, like, allowed me to detach drag from drinking. Mm -hmm. So now I don't—I sometimes have had, like, a glass of wine before being on stage now. Mm -hmm. But mostly, like, 90% of the time— I don't want to be drunk or or drinking when I'm on stage.
2: So, what did you learn from the? Because you you describe yourself as a train wreck, um, <laughs> which I was like okay. Um, but so, what did you learn from the time that you were you're sober? And how have you like used that going forward with your life?
1: Well, it made me appreciate <laughs> the the art and mm. the job. And doing drag. And I think it's like having a respect for it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really important because it is, it is like, it's a joke, but it's a really serious joke. And it's something that means a lot to me. And I feel like I'm part of this community that means a fucking, means fucking everything to me. So I guess just like detaching being completely drunk all the time from what the actual job means to me. Mm-hmm. I think that was immensely important.
2: Yeah. Okay, so I, we've spent a good amount of time together. Um, <laughs> and so I would like a drag name. What do you think my drag name should be? Oh
1: my God. Okay, the thing is, mm-hmm. there's like these mnemonic devices where it's like your first pet with the street you grew up on. So right. So it's like, Muffin East 53rd Street. Yeah. That wait, wait, make did, sense. How
2: did yours come up? Like, how did Marijuana. You figure- oh, okay, great. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was, I named myself after a strain of marijuana called Alaskan Thunderfuck. Oh. Which is really nice. It's a really nice strain. That's cool. But I just liked the name. I thought yeah. it was cool.
2: Was this, we, this was when you moved to LA, you came up with the name? Yeah. Okay, great.
1: Well, no, it was in Pittsburgh. It's in Pittsburgh, okay. So it was okay. right before then. Okay, but yes. the thing about a drag name is, and I'm very hesitant to give you a drag name because, okay. because the drag name chooses you.
2: That was so zen of you.
1: And when it hits you, it strikes you like lightning and you know it and no one can tell you that it is or is not your name. No mm. one can tell you it's a stupid name. When, it, when it's right, it's right.
2: All right, I'm just going to think on it. And it'll, it'll come to me. Feel on it. Don't yeah. think on it. Okay. Don't, Great. <laughs> don't think on it. Feel on it. Um, what else can help size drag? Just get this planet acting right.
1: Well, I think we all need to loosen up about the fact that some guys have vaginas and some girls have dicks. Mm-hmm. We can all, can we all just fucking get that out on the table and just get the fuck over that and not have that be such a big deal. Um... I don't know. I think we all just need to shut the fuck up sometimes and breathe and go. But I think, I mean, women are the future. Women women don't start wars. They're not interested in that.
2: (laughs) I know we're not. We have other things to do. Yeah. 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 I love that. So everyone just shut the fuck up (laughs) and breathe And stop trying to police other people's bodies in the way that they live their lives, which is, I think, one of the great things about your work and drag in general is that it is celebratory, that it's inclusive, that it is about coming from a good place of love. And I think we could use a lot more of that. So I really, Thank you. really from the bottom of my heart, I really do appreciate your work and uh, I think that it's important and I want drag to I don't think drag will ever be the most mainstream thing ever because it is so much about subversion Mm -hmm. but I do think that it being as popular as it is right now is only a good thing for everybody so thank you so much for that I really appreciate that thank you oh my god can I get a bye from you
1: absolutely okay one two three
2: bye (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Yay! Thank you, Justin. Thank you so much for having me. Man. Of course. God damn! Ooh, hey, nani nani Another interview in the can. I don't know what that was. Did you say hey, nani nani Mhm.
3: Cute.
2: And a hot cha cha. That was uh, Dennis Miller. Ooh,
3: hot cha 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 cha. Uh, thieves, want to do the credits? So we can get out of here. Start our evening, steaming clothes, cooking broccoli, putting on a clay hydrating mask.
2: Wait, what? Is this like fucking goop? Is this honest?
3: I'm just trying my best over here. Joanna, <laughs> I'm
2: not hauling ass so you can steam some Brock. <laughs> I'm going to take my sweet ass time.
3: That's my, what my new Twitter profile is going to be. Steaming Brock? Steaming Brock. Brock. <laughs>
2: Okay, the So Many White Guys team includes Rachel Neal, Joanna Solitaroff, Jim Poyant, Paula Schumann, Isaac Jones, Jeremy Bloom, and Joe Ploort. Our theme song was written by a white dude and sung by a bunch of other white dudes. Check out video of today's interview with Alaska on the WNYC Studios Facebook page. We discuss the seriousness of choosing a drag name and the magic of Lady Gaga. And don't forget, you can also follow me on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at Dope Queen I'm going to start my own school. It's going to be ignorant as fuck. It's going to be the opposite of what Oprah's school is in Africa. Sunset Park. Yeah, Phoebe School in Sunset Park. There's going to be a class on binge watching 101. Uh-huh. Which is order your food first before you start to binge watch so you don't have to press pause at any point. Mm, that's good. Point two, utilize your incognito window when you want to watch porn on your laptop.
3: Uh-huh. So practical. Yeah. And universal. <laughs>
0: Thanks so much for listening to this special feed, The Sound of Pride, Stonewall at 50. If you like what you hear, you can find more coverage from WNYC by visiting wnyc.org stonewall50.